over the last, uh, believe it or not, um, this is week seven of us talking about uh, everyday disciple and what it means to be an everyday disciple. And what we've talked about is not an exhaustive list. I mean, there's many other things that come along with being an everyday disciple, but we, we've dealt with a few of them. But um, we really did learn that there's quite a difference between being uh, a Christian and being somebody that really is an everyday disciple and not in a judgmental way because what we have learned is that being an everyday disciple is really more than reading your Bible every day, though that's important. Um, it's more than praying, though that's important. It's more than coming to church, though that's important. It's more important than, than giving and sharing. All those things are vitally important to your walk with the Lord. But um, living the life of an everyday disciple is a little bit different. Those are part of it, but those aren't really even the main things. And so many people in our culture believe in God. Many people are heaven bound, but we really can differ with people when it comes to an everyday disciple, because I would just make a bet. And I don't know this to be true statistically, but um, if everybody in our country that actually claimed to be a Christian actually was like living like an everyday disciple would, um, our world would look a whole lot different, I think. And so, at least the way the world looks at the church would be a whole lot different. Let me put it that way. Because there is a difference um, between being in God for the world and being in the world for God. Let me say that again. There is quite a difference between being in God for the world and being in the world for God. Both will get you to heaven. That means there was a surrender at some point. And I have lived both. I'll be honest with you. And both really do sound right. And both are not easy to do. But one of them actually runs out. Between those two statements that I made. And we don't really, you know, focus much on ourselves because we think that's selfish. And what ends up happening is we don't take care of our own walk with the Lord, but yet we know that God calls us to go reach out to other people, right? So there's a reason that I'm reading this passage of Scripture at last in our study of everyday disciple. Because it's so natural for us to say, oh, I'm going to be an everyday disciple, which means I'm going to teach people how to be a disciple. I'm going to teach people how to follow Christ, which is great and is necessary. And yes, an everyday disciple does that for sure. But what we've talked about are some things that are a little different and that we more effectively can reach the world when we are in God, first and foremost. I'm going to read a passage of scripture. I want you to pay attention to the order Jesus says a few things. Then we're going to review the last seven weeks. Believe me, it's quick, okay? And uh, we're going to come to see the the difference between what it means to be in God for the world versus being in the world for God. I'll give you a hint. One of those, you are subtly in charge. And in the other one, God is fully in charge. So if you can stand as we read from Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. This is Jesus inviting the first disciples. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, 
who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting the nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Lord, we lift up your word. We lift up what it says to us. We pray that you change us by what we're learning today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So let's talk about this invitation uh, and really the order of it as we get through. So, uh, shout out if you want to, but don't necessarily have to. But who did the pursuing in what we just read? That would be Jesus, right? Who did the inviting? Why is that different than pursuing? Well, pursuing, it says he was walking along the Sea of Galilee and he was walking with a purpose. He was pursuing um, Peter and Andrew. Who did the inviting? Jesus actually said something to them and gave them an invitation. And that invitation was an invitation with purpose. And who gave them purpose? It was Jesus. Do you see the pattern here? Jesus pursued them, Jesus invited them, and Jesus gave them a purpose. And that is good news. That Jesus does all of that. He does the pursuing, he does the inviting, and he gives us purpose. Jesus is the one and only one that can say that we are more than what we do. And that's what he's coming to these men today to say. You are more than fishermen, though that's wonderful. And for us, we are more than an employee. No, that's great. We're, we're more than a student. That's awesome. We're more than a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister. We're more than those things. And we're also more, Jesus says, more than what we've done in our past. Like so many times our role just kind of defines who we are and what we've done in our past really defines who we are as well. And Jesus says, no, I, I'm, I'm coming to you, I'm going to pursue you, and I'm going to invite you into something different. You see, this pursuing and purpose seemed very important to God. That's all he did when he was with us. It's all he does to this day. God always pursues us. So if the pursuit and the, the actual purpose giving are important to God, it leads me to think maybe the order in which he went about saying what he said is important too. So what's the actual order of how he said what he said in this invitation to those few disciples? He says, follow me, first and foremost. Now that follow me wasn't like, hey, just walk with me. No, that follow me meant you literally will become a student of mine. I will be your master. I will be your Lord if you follow me. You turn every bit of control of your life over to me if you follow me. You're saying that I know what's best for you. You don't, and nobody else knows what's best for you because you said, I'm going to follow me. And then he says, and if you follow me, I will make you what I want you to be. And that's fishers of men instead of fishing for fish. In our modern terms, it might sound something like this. 
Jesus might be saying to you and me this in our wording. Follow me and I will change you for your sake. Because you need changing. And if you follow me, I will change you. And because of the fact that I change you, that means you will be daily made more and more like me. And when you're made more and more like me, I'm changing you for the sake of other people also. It is first and foremost for you. You are who I love. And I will use you as you believe in my love more and more to actually live your life just naturally for the sake of others too. I was on an airplane this week and I did what probably all of us do on the airplane. Had my earbuds in and did not pay attention to what the flight attendant was saying. Does anybody actually listen to what they say? Yes, you love teachers. Yes, of course you do. Yeah, rule followers. Wonderful. If y'all could sit next to the door, because I still forget what the door signifies. But um, I had my earbuds in. You know, they're going through their, you know, typical thing. Hasn't changed in decades. I occasionally just go, yeah, it sounds the same, same thing. But one thing that always strikes me, um, and, I, and I think to myself, what a, what a view of human nature is when they say to you, in the rare chance of the loss of cabin pressure, what happens first when the cabin pressure is lost? Something falls from the ceiling, what falls? The oxygen mask, okay? And there's a reason they say what they say. What do they say first, class? Who gets the mask first? You or your next or your neighbor? You. You. And then you help. The small child, the older person, the person that can't, you know, get it around their head, whatever it might be. They say it because we would do the opposite. They say it because we are so naturally okay with helping other people, doing for others what needs to be done, leaning into their lives, really pushing them to Christ. And all the while, we don't put our own mask on first. We get right into, we're going to go be fishers of men. We're going to go reach people. We're going to go do ministry for God. Yes, look at us. See, that's subtly us in control. It looks and sounds really good. And it is mostly right. But Jesus says first, follow me. Get that straight. And as you follow me, I will begin to make you into a fisher of human beings. An everyday disciple is in God for the world, not in the world for God. As one commentator said, he said, follow me, Jesus said. He didn't say take a course in evangelism. He didn't say study this book, go to this seminar, or practice this technique. He said, if you hang out with me, I'm going to be changing you. And inevitably, you will become like me, a fisher of men. There's a reason we're talking about that last. Because we all want to do that. We all want to go reach people with the gospel message that's changed us. But we need to be sure. That's why we spent so long talking about what an everyday disciple is, that we are literally preaching the gospel to ourselves. 
that we are living in this love of God that we tell everybody about so freely. That we are putting the mask on ourselves first so that we have the faculties, the, the ability to actually help somebody else. So let's review what we've learned now that we know that, yes, an everyday disciple is also somebody that reaches out to others, which we have not talked about for all these weeks. Let's review what it is. Obviously not an exhaustive list, but it's more than we normally think about. And we typically are thinking about doing more as disciples. And what we've talked about over the last several weeks is being more. Not doing more and more and more. The first invitation was an everyday disciple has the honor of picking up his cross daily and following Christ. Like we are to die to who we are. That is a, that is a place. That is, that is the follow me that Jesus is talking about and what we just read. To put Christ at the center of everything. This is the heart of what it means to be a disciple. It means not putting anyone or anything else first. And most of us struggle with this. I mean, we all struggle in some way of like putting something ahead of God or, or, or like literally pulling back control. But we're called to like pick up our cross daily and follow him. The second invitation was led by the first and an everyday disciple takes their faith very seriously. Like we have fun in the midst of it. I don't mean be like a serious person that's completely boring, you know, and, and you know, somebody says like, hey, you want to play trivia? And you go, mm, if it's Bible trivia, don't be that person. <laughs> like, just like, like literally like be yourself, do that stuff. But like you, you can have fun in the midst of it. Um, but the biggest threat to the church we learn going forward is, is not people that don't believe in God. It's people that say they do, but don't live like it. It's these people that are like Christian in name only. Like they call themselves Christians, but it's either a surface level faith or, or not at all or very noncommittal. And it is, according to Jesus, um, so important that our commitment to him is more important than any possession, any person, any family member, that there is a high cost to discipleship. And we learned one of those weeks that salvation, for that to be available, cost Jesus his life. And discipleship will cost you your life. And Jesus did everything he needed to do on the cross, and yes, he does walk with us on a daily basis as well, but we, as disciples, have to... Let everything, including our very lives, be sacrificed to him. Another invitation was being truly content in a discontent world. That everyday disciples are content with what God has given them. That godliness with contentment is great gain, Scripture says. That if we are content in Christ, we will not need anything. One, he will take care of your needs. He really will. And guess what? You will get some of the wants in life. That just happens. But even if you don't, you are satisfied because whether you have little or you have much, you've learned to be content in him. And where an everyday disciple refuses to believe the lies of the world, and it is a battle. It is a battle to not allow those things that just 
infiltrate our brain and our heart and our emotions, whether it's social media or news or movies or TV, whatever it might be, friendships, relationships, family, any of those things, they just continue to spread the lie to us and we become discontent. But an everyday disciple seeks to be content no matter the circumstances. Which leads us to another invitation, which is this everyday disciples do not judge. Most Christians are seen as judgmental in the eyes of people. And quite frankly, I don't know that I could make an argument that they're wrong. We resemble the Pharisee in that story that walked up and said, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this person or I'm not like this person and I'm not even this person, that I give so much to you and I fast, you know, twice a week or whatever. And Lord, thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. And he mentions the tax collector. And the tax collector, we find out, was standing far back, pounding himself on the chest and just saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, it's the tax collector that goes home justified. Because the tax collector is the one that realizes out of those two that I am the only one that can give you everything that you need in life. And I don't mean riches and fame. I mean life, stuff that really matters. And he says that tax collector, a hated individual, is deeply loved by me and is in a relationship with me and gets how to follow me and not judgmental like the tax collector. Because being judgmental is so toxic and the world sees us as the Pharisee, not the tax collector. Imagine if the world saw the church as the tax collector and how that person was. That would just be amazing. And it is possible. But I think the one that most people uh, came up to me and said really ministered to them during these times is the story of Jacob wrestling with God. And we learned that an everyday disciple actually is invited to wrestle with God. We learned there's quite a difference between uh, questioning God and disrespecting God. I was always told that you can't even question God. If you, if you question God, he's not going to bless you. It means you don't have faith. But not believing God is different than not believing in God. Believing in God is a matter of salvation or not. But what if you believe in God? You're saved. You, you, you are a follower of Christ. You believe in God and you currently don't believe God. You see, Jacob strived his whole life trying to receive from others what only God could give. And that was unconditional love. This blessing that God wanted to give him that he was seeking from other people. And Jacob schemed, deceived, and manipulated others to get advantages over people. And he did so to get the outcomes that he preferred. Whether it was going completely against what God says, or it was going along with what God said, but he, he, Jacob, added some complications to what God wanted him to do. And that led to God short-circuiting many things in Jacob's life to protect him. Jacob, if it goes that way, it's going to go off the rails. 
But Jacob literally was just living up to his name. Because back then when you were named something, it meant that's who you are. That's what's going to happen for you. And Jacob was named Jacob, which meant he was a heel grabbing line crook, robbing son of a gun that you had to watch your back with. And that's who he was until God stepped in and changed Jacob's life. And God did so by coming down, a personification. This is a form of Christ here. And he wrestles with Jacob. And he pushes Jacob beyond Jacob's own limits to the point of utter desperation is where Jacob is. And Jacob realizes something different is about this person because this is the first person in life that has really bested him, that's really broke him down. And he said, I want you to bless me. And the angel said, hey, you got to let me go. It's, it's about daytime. You're going to get hurt, son. You're going to get really hurt if you keep this up. And then he touched his hip. And Jacob walked with a limp as a reminder that he had not only been bested by God, but he had been rendered incapable of doing anything. And yet he still grabbed hold. And the Lord did bless him. And he wanted this blessing more than anything because he realized that this is actually God that he wrestled with. And what God did first was amazing. He literally changed his name even before he blessed him. And he says, no longer are you going to be called Jacob? He even asked him his name. What's your name? He said, my name's Jacob. Which is a big deal because Jacob could have said Frank, which means something totally different than Jacob. Yeah, my name is Jacob, and that means that I'm a lion, robin, crook that nobody can trust. And God looked at him and said, well, I'm going to change your name. And he changed his name to Israel. And Israel literally means God prevails. Imagine the different way that Jacob would live and imagine the way an everyday disciple would live if we really lived our life knowing God prevails in my life. God prevails. And as an everyday disciple, we, we realize that God might not actually change your name that might not actually happen, but he will do something for you. He will change your heart. He will change how you see life. And it will be a day-to-day, moment-by-moment journey. If you want to be an everyday disciple, your running shoes are going to be built for a marathon, not for a sprint. Everyday disciples, this is a long haul but it is a good haul. It's not a bunch of mountaintop experiences in a bunch of valleys, though those happen. It's the fact that God is with us in the hills and in the valleys. And I think this is captured beautifully by an author, Jan Richardson. If you know me, I'm not much into poetry. I love Dr. Seuss, but that's about all. Um, but I really thought this captured 
this whole story of Jacob, but really I think that story of Jacob, the reason it resonated with us so much, is because we all really can identify with that one, more than any of them probably. That we all wrestle with God, and God says it's okay. Matter of fact, who did the pursuing even back then? It was God who showed up. It doesn't say Jacob launched into it. It says, like, it, this person, I mean, God initiated this wrestling match. I think this really describes the life of an everyday disciple. Let me read this for you. If this blessing were easy, anyone would claim it. As it is, I am here to tell you that it will take some work. This is the blessing that visits you in the struggling and the wrestling and the striving. This is the blessing that comes after you've left everything behind, after you've stepped out, after you've crossed into the realm beyond every landmark you have known. This is the blessing that takes all night to find. This is not a blessing that is so difficult as if it were filled, uh, not filled with grace or with love that lives in every aspect of your life. This blessing simply is that it requires you to want it, to ask for it, to place yourself in its path. It demands that you stand to meet it when it arrives, that you stretch yourself in ways you didn't know you could move, that you agree to not give up. So when this blessing comes, born in the hands of the difficult angel who has chosen you, do not let go. Give yourself into his grip. It will wound you. But I tell you, there will come a day when that felt to you like limping at some point. But it was actually something more like dancing as you moved into the cadence of your new and blessed name. Father, help us to be everyday disciples that wrestle with you, that know that you are pursuing us, know that you are initiating, know that you are giving us a purpose. And yet, we are also people that are called to put on our mask first, so to speak, so that we are growing in you, so that others can grow in you because of what we are uh, doing to be filled up with you so that we can then naturally reach out to other people. Father, thank you for this series. Thank you that we've been able to really pinpoint some things that maybe we at least I don't naturally think about when I think about being an everyday disciple. I always think about doing more and I have to be reminded constantly it is just about being more. Just being with you. Just being reminded of how much you love me. Being reminded that you want to do a work in me before you do a work in other people through me. In Jesus' name, amen.